All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. I am your host, John. That is also your host, Jeff. Not even co-hosts, just two different hosts. Man, I like how we managed to stretch out this awkward discussion of what our titles are for like 15 episodes across three different podcasts For now. like at least a year. I know, it's, it's <laughs> impressive. We really should come up with official titles for ourselves. I want to be a high muckety muck. <laughs> I will be the Grand Poobah. There we go. So now we can just introduce each other as those things. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> so I'm going to call you the Grand Poop. Aw, I am the Grand Poop. <laughs> and I'm the High Fuckity Fuck. So this uh, is the show where, of course, we watch the movies that you suggest. This is our In Theaters Now edition. So what won the poll that we do every month? This month was fantastic beasts and where to find them oh like in books and stories yes that's where you find them you find them in imagination in the smile of every child <laughs> in the laugh of every baby <laughs> uh so first thing we're going to do is we're going to give you our general impressions of the movie and then uh we'll be back to give you the full spoiler in-depth review but first off let's go ahead and jeff just on a surface level Yay or nay on the Fantastic Beasts? Uh, am I talking to a Harry Potter fan? Uh, you're talking for yourself. Are you yourself a Harry Potter fan? No, I mean, some you're... of the movies are pretty cool. I mean, I watched the first couple because I like the directors associated with them, but I, I literally gave up and did not watch episodes of the last two movies of the Harry Potter series. Just the last, when they split the last book into two movies? That, that's right. I didn't okay. watch uh, The Half-Blood Prince. You didn't watch The Two Deathly Hallows. Thank you, yes. The Two Deathly Hallows films I did not watch. Uh, I've read all the all the Harry Potter books up to you know the end of the Harry Potter series. I have not read this uh, Fantastic Beasts thing. No. I would, I would recommend this for a purist, like someone who's like desperately into Harry Potter and, and needs to keep watching more Harry Potter material. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe someone who's got a huge crush on Eddie Redmayne. I mean, I I find him super hot personally, but yeah. Well, let me just go ahead and say right out the gate, I actually really liked him in this movie. Yeah, he's fantastic. He just, does a really good job of getting his character as very distinct without being over the top, and I like that. Yeah, no, it's very impressive, especially when you consider some of his other work has been crazy over the top. Because I know you haven't seen it, but I've seen Jupiter Ascending, and his character in that is bizarre he is playing to the back row of the movie theater uh with like heavy loud whispering it's just anyway his kind of tilted head and poofy hair act he does in this is is it's solid it's interesting the weird thing is he ends up being kind of a uh like a a mystery of his own movie there, there's he's like why what are you doing here in london oh i'm here to do a thing you're not really here for that okay yeah sure uh-huh but okay but what's your opinion on stuff oh i don't know you know like it's, I don't know if that's played for per on purpose that he's actually like a super important spy for Dumbledore or something. Well, they they had mentioned that his brother apparently was a huge war hero. Yeah. So the the fact that he's very sort of quiet and withdrawn and very rarely looks anyone in the eyes. Yeah, it, it feels like he's not the main character of the movie. Like in terms of the way that they play up his backstory, you learn more about every other character but him. Oh yeah, honestly, it feels like. Uh, Jacob the the Muggle, or the Nomad. Yeah, the Nomad. Ugh, it got worse. The words got worse. <laughs> the nonsense bullshit words got even worse. Yeah, I uh, yeah. His whole thing is it feels like he arrives fully developed, but we don't get to hear a lot about a lot of the development. Yeah, is a thing. Uh, com contrasting that, 
And I actually appreciate the contrast to Harry Potter, where it takes seven years for Harry Potter to turn from a dumb idiot who doesn't know anything to a dumb idiot who doesn't know anything but is really important for some reason. <laughs> like in this, he just arrives on scene like, I am already 100% up to speed. I am ready to go. Uh, do not worry about how or why. Oh, yeah. No, I, I know your main issue with a lot of the Harry Potter stuff is the fact that Harry Potter forever is eternally gobsmacked. Well, he's, he's an audience insert from, yes. st- from start to finish. He needs to not know anything about the wizarding world so that, you know, humans who are watching the film can be impressed. But the end result is if you're watching the film with any kind of critical eyes, that Harry is just a fucking nitwit who never looks more than six inches past his own nose. And the, the thing with this movie is even the, the nomadge that shows up is way more on board with everything that Harry Potter is within, like, six books. Yeah, so it's a lo- it's a large development in, cur- in terms of story. I'm actually more interested in this character than I ever was in Harry. Harry's always like, what? There's other wizard schools? And you're like, figure shit out, Harry. In- England's not that big. Also, let me just say, the fact that they don't focus on Ilvermorny in this they just makes me sad. It. Yeah. Oh, it'll show up because that's the only thing I found interesting at all in the backstory of the American wizarding world. Because in my limited research, I determined that this is based on a on a short story, but is the first of five movies. Good lord! And yet, I have heard none of those complaints that were directed at that Hobbit thing. <laughs> that was only three movies. I mean, granted, and 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 you know what? You didn't need all three. You could have gotten that done in an easy two. Yeah, easily. Uh, you could, there are a lot of people who say you could get it done in one. I like a lot of the stuff they added to the Hobbit movies, but even I'm like, no, it's too much. The whole thing with the bad guy and drag in the third one, yeah. hard pass. But uh, you know what? I'm going to say mild recommend in answer to your question from like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say, I mean, it wasn't great. I'm going to, I'll I'll say that right now. It wasn't terrible. This is a, a solid watch on like DVD or Netflix for me. Yeah, this is an okay to have on in the background movie. This is this is definitely something that when you put it on, you're not going to be like, God, I hate this. But you're also not going to come out of the theater going like, wow, I'm super glad I paid like $15 to see that. Yeah, I think we made, because we walked to the local movie theater to watch these because it's very close. I think we made it about three quarters of the way home this time before anyone said anything about the film. <laughs> I made almost back to the house and then finally someone was like, so I, I didn't understand a word that the... Uh, spoiler alert character said, did you? No, I sure didn't. The end of that conversation. Great. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mild recommend. Very forgettable. I'm kind of sad that I watched it two days ago because I feel like I've already forgotten about three quarters of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we will attempt to recall more of it after our break. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back with some spoiler stuff. But just so you know, if you're still look- looking to watch it, maybe, maybe don't. Don't listen to the rest of it, because we are just going to spoil everything. Yeah, we sure are. So if you like seven-minute podcasts and you don't like movies spoiled, then congratulations. You've found the perfect thing for you. Yeah. Well, you know, you just found out in seven minutes, hey, this is kind of meh. It's like a C-. minus. There you go. I mean, I'd give it like a B-. minus. All right, fair enough. I'll, I'll, you know what? Mostly for Jacob, but yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All so right. we'll be right back with more Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Where do you find the Fantastic Four? Uh, you find them in a gutter somewhere, languishing in the shit that is all of those pictures. That is true, except for the Corman one, which is charming. This <laughs> so charming. Yep. The beast in me Is caged by frail and fragile bars 
restless by day and by night Ransom rages at the stars God help the beast in me And we are back. It's time for the full, in-depth, as closely scrutinized as possible review, fantastic beats, and where to listen to them. Oh, I like Spotify. Really? I I still use Pandora, I'll be honest. I also use Pandora quite a bit, like at work, because I don't want to have to think about my playlist or anything. Yeah. I just go, all right, hair metal. And it just goes, yeah, you got it, hair metal. Here's like five hours of it. I mean, now that they've put in that thumbprint station... Oh, with all the things you liked? It's everything you've ever liked on all of your stations, and I've got so many of them. You want to know how lazy I am? It keeps advertising that to me, and it's like, you know those 21 songs you've liked? (laughs) On the 35 stations you've made? You could have all of those playing at once, and I'm like, yeah, but that wouldn't make any sense. That That would make... It would be like listening to just my iPod on shuffle because I also don't do... I, I never get whole albums. Oh, yeah. Well, the... I mean, it still does the... Uh, all the stuff you liked and then things related to the stuff you liked anyway. It's oh. basically just shuffling all of your stations that would be, together. That would be insane for me because I have I have a Pandora station f- still for playing Pod Racer. <laughs> and it's all... It's like based off Daruday's Sandstorm. Good. and that So that's all long, trancy nonsense. And then I've got another one that's just... Uh, Oh gosh, what's his name? I don't know. So a lot of old old school composer stuff. I have a Pavel station. Wow, I don't, I don't feel like they'd fly together very well. Oh no, none of them do, and I love it. That's my jam. <laughs> that's your, like that's I get your I get my thumbprint station going, and it's like, yeah, let's do some like weird Euro techno. Follow it up with like Black Alicious, mm. and then and then we're gonna get like Pearl Jam in there. And I'm like, yeah, this is the best. Mm, get that Black Alicious Pearl Jam. That sounds mm. like porn. So anyway, so, this movie opens up with uh, a shot of some building in the middle of nowhere. We don't know what it is. It's some haunted building. We will not know what it is. There are four people walking towards it, and then they are all blown up. And you get to see the top of someone's terrible haircut. <laughs> so he's got. A bleached, uh, side-shaved, slick-back, long-top thing going on. Yeah. He is the, uh, he's Evil Wizard Macklemore is what's going on yeah, here. Yeah, exactly it. He's Evil Wizard Macklemore fr- from this point. He'll get, he'll get stupider looking as the also, movie Also, Macklemore just sounds like one of those bullshit wizard names you'd get. You're absolutely right. Macklemore? Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see, like, I'm Albus Macklemore. Yeah. Isn't it Mackle? <laughs> Not Macla? No, it's Macklemore. It's really Macklemore? Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. That makes him sound like an old school mystery mo- novel writer. <laughs> I'm Mac Lamore. <laughs> My movie, Murder by Death. <laughs> uh, so we get a whole bunch of background information, mostly that Grindelwald wants to start a war with humans. And we get that through a lo- the opening credits of this movie, which is done with newspapers. They do... All those wizard newspapers. Wizard stuff, so everything's moving around on the pages. However, it's that old-timey, like, 1920s newspaper style. Telling us that wizards invented the concept of magically moving around pictures of things before they invented color. Yes. Which is a weird thing, but okay. Well, that brings me to the very first question I have watching this film, because we spend a lot of time in the actual nomad world Mm -hmm. in this. Uh, in Harry Potter, we barely spend any time in the world where it's bungles. Yeah, it's it's just like the, the Dursley's house or whatever their name is. Yeah, it's pretty much all just Hogwarts all the time. Yeah. And the split there is like Hogwarts feels very medieval-y, and then you've got your regular modern-day world. Whereas the 1920s uh, like wizard world for America 
feels very much like just 1920s America as well. It's, it feels like Ayn Rand dreaming. And like there's just Art Deco assembling itself into the distance. <laughs> well, the thing to me is you see stuff like, oh, we've got like a magic clock and things like that. And I go, you know, I wonder who invented the clock first? Like, did wizards go, I made a thing that tells time and then like some muggle got a hold of it? Or did people make that and they went, I'll just magic that shit up? Well, it's it's notable because one of the things about uh, Harry Potter is that it gives this feeling of outside of timeness to the to to Hogwarts. Yeah, uh, even the other schools, what little you see of them, have a very outside of time flair. Like when that ship from the Drang House Drang or whatever they're called, uh, uh, Durmstrang, Derm Sturman. Yeah. When Durmstrang shows up, and it's like, oh, a cool old school longship comes bursting out of the ocean, and here come a bunch of Germans in severe robes. You're like, oh, I bet they live in a cool like all cold stone castle. And oh yeah, like you know that everything's all old school. No one has a cell phone. Oh, yeah, the same thing with, like, the French school. You're like, oh, yeah, this is 100% very old-school French. Yeah, it's probably like Versailles, where they live. Like, all mirrors on everything, and everything's all red and yellows, and uh, floating pillows and puffballs going everywhere. But uh, in this, it's like the the, uh, wizard world is very much in step with time. Like, it's the 1920s outside the wizarding world, it's the 1920s inside the wizarding world. Yeah, you've got magic typewriters and stuff instead of, like, quills. Yeah, so it kind of feels like magic has regressed over the 65 or 70 years that separate these movies. That or they're just saying that American wizards are way more... Like, with it? With it? But even then... the first thing they establish is that they're not, and that they have stricter policies about not engaging with the nomadges. Well, that that was the weird thing to me, is I go, they've got all of this very nomad tech stuff going on. You've got a lot of like, clockwork and, and typewriters and stuff like that. Those those uh, those pneumatic suction tubes that, t- that carry messages, except, of course, they carry magic messages that are shaped like rats and get in fights. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, I'm looking at it going like, okay, so they're very willing to adopt the technology of the nomad world or at least the aesthetic of the technology of the nomad world yeah yeah but like they have clocks but their clocks are running on magic not on clockwork yeah well i mean it's like the typewriter is still it's still typewriting click- it's still a clickety clack typewriter and someone actually has to type it but then it's piece of paper comes out and turns itself into an origami rat and runs or away. you know you just have the typewriters typing themselves the same thing like with the auto quills but that's the whole thing is auto quill is like What's this? This is the technology of the 1200s, and we have it in the late 1990s. Yeah. Versus this is the technology of technology of the 20s, and we have it in the 20s. It's just a weird step. Yeah. I mean, I understand why because because having they really wanted to make this movie feel different from the Harry Potter films, and that that setting note was important. But the the fact that they have all of these rules where it's like you can't like ever associate with a nomad, you can't do anything if you ever talk to one. They have to never know that you or a witch or a wizard, if they find out anything, you have to obliviate them. There's no marrying them. Yeah, nothing. the whole thing feels more like... Because the uh, way the government of magic worked in uh, Hogwarts, or I guess in England in the 90s, was more like... Uh, or in the 2000s as well. Was more like, oh, uh, we're all goofy and fun and everything's great. And and uh, the, the guy in charge of magic always has meetings with the queen and doop doo don't you know? But this one's more like the magic is like a deadly... Ser- magic people have like a deadly serious FBI for a government. Yeah, and... I mean, I can sort of understand that they were going for that, like, 1920s racial prejudice thing that you sort of got with uh, Voldemort and whatnot in the Hogwarts stuff of, like, oh, I hate these muggles and, mud, like, mudbloods and whatever. But in the America one, they're like, oh, yeah, you can't even associate with them. We've got different fountains for, like, 
<laughs> wizards and non-wizards. Wizards have to ride on the back of the magical, whimsical, flying hippo. But that's the problem, is if you completely separate them like every other society does, you're like, oh, but that doesn't really make the whole, like, oppression thing come through. Because it's not like, oh, yeah, these these nomads are being oppressed, or even the wizards are being oppressed. It's just, nope, they want to live completely separately. And everyone's fine with it. But uh, anyway, after we watch uh, this mysterious wizard blow up some random people, which just looks like a new Voldemort taking out some Aurors, I think they're called. In yep. the, and uh, we cut to a boat pulling into New York, so you get to see the Statue of Liberty and the hopeful you, immigrants. You get that same pulling into New York thing, 1920s, you always get. Yeah. Oh, man, they stole that shot straight from Fievel Goes West. <laughs> or probably the first one, rather. Man, they straight stole so much shit from Fievel in this. Yeah, let a me lot tell of, you. There's a lot of American tale baked into this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, we, and then we meet our hero, uh, Newt Scamander, who's a, uh, a, a an obvious Gryffindor house guy. He's Eddie Redmayne playing him with his head tilted and very awkward. Uh, he's got a briefcase that he's constantly fiddling with and that monsters are always trying to bust out of. And uh, we find out that he has a little switch that when he's going through customs, like, oh, someone wants to look in my suitcase that carries a ton of magical creatures. I'll flip it to, like, a muggle safe. Yeah, it says muggle-worthy. And then he flips it open. No, it's just, like, a passport and some clothes and whatnot. Now, thing is, if he's got this suitcase and he knows that creatures are always trying to get out of it, why does he just flip it to the muggle-worthy well, at all times until he needs to use it? Well, I think the problem there is that when he flips it to muggle-worthy, it starts ticking. Like, you can hear it going tick, 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 tick. So it's probably, like, a minute of muggle-worthiness or something. So it's probably some very powerful magic that's doing that. But, uh, we, we, you know, we never know for sure. But, yeah, most of this movie is predicated on things clawing their way out of his suitcase. Yeah. So. His suitcase is ridiculous garbage, as the uh, the lock on one of the sides will keep popping open for no reason. Yeah. And uh, definitely things get out of it, like, right away something gets out of it. Also, it seems like he just has either unlimited resources or... Just unlimited magic, of course, because, yeah. you know, he's like, when you go into the suitcase eventually, it's like this giant zoo he owns, but I guess he can't also afford, you know, suitcase repair. Yeah, and given that what we see magic do in this film, that he can't just, like, point his wand at his briefcase and go, and be better? I mean, I, I kind of want, should I be saving that for my favorite or least favorites, or should I just talk about it? I mean, go for it, I don't care. Okay, so in the Harry Potter movies, or in the books... We get to watch Harry Potter go to school for seven years. We get to read all about this. And he learns all these very specific spells that do very specific things. You know, he learns his, his uh, this one hovers a, a, a bug in the air, an amblypidget in the air until someone feels like killing it. And then here's a spell that kills things. And here's one that knocks wands out of hands. And here's one that opens locks. And you get to hear them say those, you know, your Petrificatus Totalus and your, your Avada Kedavra and what have you. Uh, but also, but then when you move to the movies, <laughs> your Avada's Kedavra, if you will, when you get to the movies, you still hear them say those because kids love those magic words. But what you also see is characters just ca casting all kinds of way better spells all the time without saying anything and without apparently concentrating or anything. Well, I mean, they do at least mention in one of them that it's like, oh, yeah, when you get to a high enough level of mastery over your magic you can kind of do some stuff without saying things. Except the stuff you can do is, like, way better. Like, if you think about it, Newt's commander in the, over the course of this movie casts one spell once by saying something. 
he says the Petrifacus Totalus one to take out like a guard. But then he's also constantly using that teleport spell uh, and all kinds of other magic. He never says another magic word. And it's the same with the the Queenie, I want to say her name is, the one who can read minds. Yeah. She can read minds. She can cast spells by waving her wand around. She cooks a whole dinner without saying anything. But then when she's trying to cast a spell, she does it by, like, to, to open a door. She's doing the unlock spell. Yeah. So, I, I and then near the end of the movie, the whole city street is in disarray because it's been fucked up by a giant ghost monster. And there's just wizards walking around just holding their wands up like flashlights while everything just puts itself back together. Far and away, the most powerful thing we see anyone do throughout the course of the movie is done by wizard janitors for about five minutes of, of random montage at the end. Yeah, and the the fact that it's not even like, oh yeah, the uh, the things you can do with magic by not saying things is going to be uh, like less powerful or specifically to something like... Oh, you can shoot like energy bolts or whatever without saying anything because you're just directing magic at something rather than an effect. It's it's it's, it's perfect still, telekinesis is what it is. Well, no, it's still like you have to do things like oh, I need to say like Lumos if I want light. Yeah, just the very simplest, easiest level one spell you can get. I make essentially my uh, wand into a flashlight. You still need to say something for it, and even like the high end wizards, your fucking Dumbledores and whatnot still need to say Lumos instead of just going, and now I've got a light. Yeah, but if you, for example, want to put together a destroyed into tiny pieces car, all you need to do is hold your wand up and walk slowly past it. Just, you know, wave it around. Just give just it a good... Doodly-doo, and that'll put everything in the neighborhood right back together. The time-reversing spell is easier to do than the flashlight spell, is what I get from that. Yeah. And it's something that's always bugged me about every single one of the Harry Potter movies. There's never really been a good answer beyond... You know, a couple of discrete spells is cool and impresses the kids. Yeah, it's just, oh, well, these are the spells that we could think of Latin-y sounding names for. So those are the ones that get words. I couldn't really think of a good Latin word for repair everything around me. Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> because that's what it is. Anytime a wizard casts a spell without saying anything, it's Deus Ex Machina. They might as well just fucking say it. They might as well walk around going, Deus Ex Machina, and then everything fixes itself right back to the way it was. <laughs> or dinner is randomly cooked because we needed another CGI shot. Yeah. I, anyway, uh, so Scamander gets off the boat, talks to a customs agent, w- goes walking into town. Now, he is, I mean, he walks across a group of anti-witch people. Yeah, the New Salemites or something. The, the, yeah, the New Salem uh, the something second, society. The Second Salem Society or something like that, yeah. Uh, so they're all people who are like, oh, witches are still among us. We need a, another Salem to murder them all. But what happens is while he is going around here, a, an adorable little CGI creature gets out of his, uh, briefcase and it loves anything shiny. And wouldn't you know it? He's right next to a bank. And this little guy is, I was expecting him to be more interesting looking than he was. He's adorable, but that's because he's a platypus. Yeah, he is 100% a platypus. It's not like he's half platypus and half something else. He is just a little running around platypus. Yes. So a little platypus named Niffler or something comes hopping out of his briefcase and just runs around stealing coins and gems and things. And his one big thing is he's basically got a bag of holding in his stomach. He can just shove whatever he wants in there and, like, extra dimensional pocket. Yeah, so he has an extra dimensional pocket. And he, he goes zipping off, and this starts our first big action sequence of the film as Scamander sort of absent-mindedly because he isn't really paying attention to the to the no-mages around him. 
is is chasing after this guy and bonking into stuff and teleporting this way and that because he doesn't really give a shit. He just wants to catch his animal. Yeah, like he goes into the uh, like down to the bank vault, and this is after he has taken. Uh, we meet Jacob, who is a baker who was trying to get a bank loan to open up a bakery. Yes, because he, he served for a long time in World War One, came back too late, is poor, and works in a cannon fa- canning factory and is sad. This character gets a proper introduction and is interesting. Yeah, he has an actual backstory and is awesome. Uh, he runs across, he runs like through paths with Scamander. Mm-hmm. So he ends up being in the vault when he goes down there to get uh, his animal back and... Yeah, catches him in a bank vault, dumps a whole bunch of gold bars and yeah, so they, doubloons and shit out of him. For some reason, a lot of people in 1920s New York were just straight up storing treasure, because that's what that's what he seems to have. Yeah, the the weirdest thing to me is every time he goes somewhere, he's like, oh yeah, here's like giant gold coins and a big brick of gold. You're like, who? What bank in 1920 was like, oh yeah, we just got gold bricks lying I mean, around. The gold bricks don't surprise me too much. There are gold bricks in banks. It's the doubloons that are getting me. <laughs> and then they find a doubloon store later. He goes, he gets into a jewelry store and manages to find a whole bunch of doubloons. Yeah, every time they dump out, because the, the big joke is you turn them upside down and start shaking them, and of course way more stuff than he could possibly fit in his little pouch comes pouring out. Yes. But because it's always it's, just random shit in there. Well, because it has to be visually pretty when it happens, it can't just be 1920s banknotes, because those aren't even shiny. No. So instead it's... Boy, he sure found a heap of gold coins and then other stuff to kind of sprinkle amongst it for, like, color. Yeah. So he just managed to luck into another's chest of pirate booty. And lots of, like... In downtown Manhattan. (laughs) Randomly, apparently, people at the bank were wearing tiaras and... Pearl necklaces seem to be very common, yeah. Like, lots of people with just ridiculously huge costume jewelry-looking stuff. Yeah, there's scepters. And they didn't notice when a platypus stole it from them. Yeah. Well, the platypus is... To his credit, very sneaky. Very sneaky is this platypus. So he eventually catches it. Oh, by the way, he also has drawn the attention of an Auror, uh, a, a adorable woman in 1920s garb who has been kind of uh, watching him but also watching the Second Salem people. And so when he teleports out, he... Oh, by the way, of course, Jacob has the same briefcase as him. Just, yes, that's, obviously. We need to have that. There's a moment someone in the movie has an important briefcase... You might as well have a little title card that comes up and then and say, and then another fellow with the exact same briefcase, and then fun times ensue. So the two of them have the same briefcase. One, of course, full of magical beasts. The other, baked goods. Baked goods. So he manages to, uh, what do you even call it? There's a term for their teleporting in this. Uh, that's their... A, a portio or something. Uh, their, uh, t- I don't know. I don't know, port, portament, port, port something or other. I, yeah, I, they're, they're portmanteau. Yeah, it's portmanteau. <laughs> no, it's there's some word, and, and some Harry Potter fan right now is real mad at us. Yeah, translocution. Yeah, that's what it is. It's telefunking. <laughs> yeah, they, they telefunk around. They telefunk the elefunk. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, yeah, the elefunk, which is one of the fantastic beasts in that case. Might as well be. <laughs> I So he manages to, I'm just going to say teleport. He teleports himself and uh, and Jacob out of the bank after he uses the petrification spell on the guy who just denied Jacob a bank loan. Yeah, uh, and he's getting ready to 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 casually erase Jacob's memory when Jacob smacks him upside the face with the wrong briefcase and wanders off. Yeah. So now the <laughs> the I don't understand because the the entire bank has just sort of been in an uproar. We've had a whole bunch of cops the bank guy, whatever, and all of them have seen people teleport. 
and so I'm like, okay, there was only one other wizard here, uh, and that was the Auror, who then spends her time trying to arrest Scamander. So who was going into the bank obliviating all of these people before they told anyone else? My guess is that obliviating is real easy, although you don't see a lot of it in the movie. Uh, no, so, like you see it in the Harry Potter films a couple times. Yeah, but w- in this movie, they're just like, "Ah, oh, you, you need to obliviate them, and no one can ever know that like wizards exist." I go, "Yeah, but who was there? Who was around when a fucking guy teleported and a dude got zapped by a wand?" And I assume you can just blanket obliviate an area. It's the only way it makes any sense. Yeah, except they don't even say that. They're like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can't... At the end of the movie, they're like, oh, well, we can't obliviate everyone. That would be insane. I assume there's some 1920s steampunk version of the Neuralizer. So they can just come in and be like, hey, guys, Swamp Gas, Venus, Weather Balloon, you know. But uh, here, let me put on my sun- my cool wizardy sunglasses. My wizard glasses. Yeah, and wizard hat. <laughs> my robe and cool wizard glasses. Yeah, with these wizard glasses, I get wizard vision. <laughs> so she catches Scamander, who, and then drags him off to the, the main government... Of, of wizards which is funny because he's willing to go along but he's sort of not in the mood to his character is really great here he's just sort of yeah you know i actually have other places i'd like to go he's uh, like oh but you know i i do have things i need to do this is, oh, okay all right i'll go with you whatever he's all bemused by all this which is which is actually kind of a fun character thing for him to not be freaked out that he's getting arrested no it's i really like eddie redmayne in this he yeah. does a very good job of getting across a, a an interesting unique character yeah so she hauls him into wizard uh, government, and we get to meet the president of wizards and the chief of wizard police. So that's, I, I don't know who's playing the president of wizards, but the, she's, she's cool. Yeah, the president of wizards. I'm sure she has a better name than that. And then there's also Colin Farrell as the chief of wizard police, basically. I, I assume he's the head aura or something. Yeah, and but he's I, Graves. He's playing, yeah, he's playing Graves, and Graves is basically, you know, the the guy from, what's the 1920s, uh, the the... So the movie about what, uh, the untouchables thank you thank you i was trying to remember that yeah. he's basically the elliot ness of wizards yeah so right down to look like slick back hair coat uh you know co- collar and and a scarf and all that he just looks like an elliot ness of wizards and when she hauls uh scamander when when the or i don't remember her name i think it's teeny it's uh, tina and queenie or something like that <laughs> teeny and queenie i think it is i think that's supposed to be the joke is that their names are teeny and queenie uh, i think her full think name it's is just tina it's tina uh, but so Tina hauls uh, Scamander in front of the president, and the president does that whole, you know, where she's trying to go. Oh, I have, I've caught this. Well, you know, you're not about in here. Oh, but it's really important because I. No, you have to go away. I God, I hate that in movies. Whenever someone's like, I have something very important to say, and they're like, Now, now, you can't finish that sentence. I've already told you I don't like you, and they're like. But this is, like, crazy important. No, no, no. No, you don't understand. Uh, I've I've heard enough. (sighs) Fuck you. No one does that. Yeah, that's not a real thing. Like, even if I... Well, okay, maybe that's mansplaining. Maybe that's what that is. Maybe. But it's two women. I know, it's two women doing it, but one of them's in a higher position of power. Except, even then, even if I was like, I am a huge dick and I don't trust anything that, like, one person says and I hate them, if they came busting in and were like, Oh my god, I have to tell you something. I'd, I'd be like, uh, "All right." I know. I have this weird guy. Like you'd assume they have a pretty good reason. Yeah. Like they know their their jobs on the line and so on. Yeah. So I mean, like, you'd you'd think they'd go, "All right, tell me." 
It's, it, I mean, she's an horror. She's a police officer for these people. She's not a five-year-old that happened to stroll in on accident. Well, she's an ex-horror. Well, they, by the end of this scene, she is an ex-horror. No, she was already an ex-horror. Oh, okay. That's she's why like they a, don't listen to her. She's like a typist or something? Yeah. But still, her job is on the line. So, you know, when, when she comes in, it's not like she drove in with a, in, on a power wheel and was like, Hi. She came in, she's like, I have a really important thing. And they're like, no, no, no. Look, you're, you're not an horror anymore, so even if you caught a dangerous criminal, we don't want to hear about it. You have to get back to the daycare center, sweetie. Uh, Nothing a child says is important. So annoying. Yeah. Anyway, so she gets sent back to a typewriter room where she immediately starts planning to do something. Well, she has to, like, go through the uh, process of being like, oh, you need to register your wand if you're here. and uh, Yeah, and she asks him what he knows about American wizards. Which is a really important moment for exposition where he's like, well, I think you guys have some backwards opinions on blah, blah, blah. For example, I think it's crazy that you're not allowed to marry muggles. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, no magis, which is what you call them as no magis. <laughs> and so on. And then she just drags him right back out. Yep. Because he realizes that he has the wrong briefcase. Oh, no. So they have to go find Jacob and find his briefcase, which unfortunately has been opened, releasing fantastic beasts and where to find them. Yep. So several beasts get out, including our little platypus friend, a like colossal- tentacle pig. Yeah, it's a tentacle pig, uh, a colossally huge brain rhino. Yep, brain rhino and, and uh, in, an invisible little dude, a li- little invisible fur Yoda, and a giant uh, feathered serpent dragony thing. Yeah, a, uh, a feathered serpent that can change size. A <laughs> friend, invisible Yoda. Like a little mini invisible Yeti. Yeah, he's like a little cute invisible Yeti. He's the, he's the cutest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't get to see him very much because he's invisible, which is sad. And and yeah, a, a tentacle pig. And the tentacle pig bites poor Jacob, and it has a bite that can fuck your shit up. So when uh, Newt and Tina end up finding him, now they have to bring Jacob into the wonderful world of Disney because he needs help and he's sick, and so he needs magic help. So now he gets to find out all about wizards and stuff. Right. The bite makes it so that they can't just remove his memory, also because he's like a witness. Yeah, they're like, oh, we need to know what got out and what he knows and so on. Yeah, and specifically it's Tina who wants to keep him unobliviated because she thinks she'll be able to use him to, to like, implicates Newt in some crime or something. I don't know. It's it, whatever. It's it's a fun excuse to drag this charming character along. Yes. Because the, the, the key trait to him is that the moment he's exposed to magic, he just thinks it's great. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, it's magic. That is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So he's, he's just a fun character. Jacob's easily the standout of the film. Yes. So uh, the three of them go off and they, I think they catch the tentacle pig pretty much right away. Well, yeah, because the tentacle, Tentacle Pig is still in the apartment. Yeah, and it looks it's it's kind of like a man, like, it's a, like, like a naked mole rat crossed with a pig with a bunch of dicks on its well, back. Well, it, it looks like a like a porcupine except it's got dicks for spines. Yeah, yeah, it's, like a dickupine. It's a dickupine. It's a little. It's a cute little dickupine, and they manage to catch it right away and stuff it back in. It's the least important of the various magic stupid things. And man, when they go into that case again, I'm like. Where's the Dickupine? What happened to that guy? Know, he seemed like a real aggressive asshole. We, we lose the Dickupine right away. Uh, and then he has to go off. He catches uh, the little Niffler guy again. Uh, no, not yet, because now we have to go meet Queenie. Oh, that's right. So she drags off. Uh, she, drags uh, she meaning Tina. Tina drags uh, Jacob and Newt to her house for the night. Yes. 
And her house contains her sister, Queenie, who has a power that she says the name of once. It's uh, It sounds like illumination or something. Oh, yeah. Like, Newt goes, oh, you're a whatever. And she's like, yep, that's me. I can read minds. And that'll basically kick off people telling her not to read minds for the rest of the movie. That's Well, she gets to do the uh, next generation Betazoid thing where she's like, oh, Captain. Yeah. Like, she just constantly has those, I'm going to tell you what you're already thinking things. Yeah. And she starts right off by diffusing the situation because Jacob is staring at her because she's, she's 1920s style hot. Which, by the way, great casting of, uh, of the women in this movie to look like hot flapper types. Yes. It's uh, they they did a great casting job with that. Everyone looks nice in 1920s. It was it was good casting. Yeah, indeed. Uh, but you know when when Jacob's staring at her, she's just like, oh, don't worry. Every guy who looks at me thinks that stuff. Yeah, everyone who sees me for the first time is thinking that. Yeah, and and so he's like, oh, I feel relatively diffused about this. It's yeah. nice. Yeah, like they and of course Queenie and him hit it off right away. Oh yeah, they bond immediately. She's fascinated because he's a nomad, And he's like, I love the fact that you can read minds. It does not bother me. Oh, and she's yeah. like, that's great. Yeah, the first moment she's like, I can read minds. He's like, whoa, cool. <laughs> yeah, he is straight up just like, I love everything about magic. I don't even care. Yeah, it's great. He likes magic more than Harry Potter ever did. Yes. Harry Potter's like, oh, I don't, I don't know about magic. And this is a, such a terrible burden. And oh, I'm so gobsmacked that anything exists at all. And he's like, fuck, this is rad. I'm on board. Uh, this is so great. So she cooks him you a dinner. You just made a strudel out of thin air for me, and it's the best thing I've ever seen. You know, the, the telekinetic assembling of the strudel was one thing, but by the time it lands, it's also fully cooked. Yes. That's the part that's amazing to me. Did it get hot in the air? You don't see the the temperature change. No, you. but you see it start to brown. You just see browning, which is like, okay, does that mean it's locally hot around it, or is it just magically turning to cook? It has to be locally hot, because it's hot when it lands. It's a hot strudel. <laughs> hot strudel. Hot strudels! I- <laughs> Man, that is that is a cut that no one listening to this is going to get. <laughs> I'm all right with it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. The, <laughs> he, even then, he's like, this dinner is the best dinner. He's this, like, this is amazing. I am a cook, and this is amazing. Yeah. So he's just happy to be along. So Newt's like, yeah, of course. You can totally arrest me. We'll go, uh, we'll go catch all those monsters in the morning. We'll get put up in your guest room, which you apparently have even though you live in like a flop house. Yeah. Well, they live yeah, one in the, one of them houses for ladies. Yeah, they live in not a flop house, but one of those like, oh, this is just a lady house. I'm not supposed to have guys here. And yet, I have a guest room with two extra beds in it. Who are those for? Is that for extra ladies? It must be, because it's one of those houses, and you've seen this house in every movie set in the olden times. It was the house on the Rocketeer, for example, which is a house where only ladies may go, and there is a mean old lady who makes sure that no men come in. Yeah, it's like Agent Carter as well. Yeah, it's every time. It's just, there's some lady whose job it is to be like, you ain't bringing in no man! And then, yes, yes, Mrs. Slocum or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and it, her full name is Mrs. Slocum or whatever, every time. <laughs> every time. Yeah. So that we have that here. We have all of those pieces. But uh, the moment she thinks that Scamander has gone to bed, uh, Scamander immediately gets up and pops open his suitcase and walks down into it. He's like, come on, man, you got to join me in my suitcase. Come on, dude. And again, Jacob's like, huh, well, that's weird, but okay. He's like, he's like, but I have this hot cocoa. I want to I want to drink my hot cocoa. And he's I like, know. no, so, you got to go into my magical briefcase. Oh, all right. The thing about magic to me in the Harry Potter universe is there's often a bunch of bullshit magic that feels like it'd be way more magical energy than it's worth. <laughs> like, for example, in this situation, the hot cocos both have spoons in them that are just stirring the hot cocoa magically. Yes. Which is like, why? Because 
That's like, you know, you ever see that, that, that cup you can buy that has a little fan at the bottom of it? You can press the button and make it, like, automatically assemble your chocolate milk for you? Like, there's, that's actually a cup you can buy. It has a little oh, battery. I've never, ever seen that. Yeah. You know why you haven't seen it? Because it's fucking pointless and stupid, and you can stir your own goddamn hot cocoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what that means is that this lady has two fucking cocoa spoons that are magically enchanted for just that. So it just turns every wizard into the equivalent of a person you'd see normally who buys every fucking thing they see on TV. Yeah, this is as seen in whatever wizard advertisements, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've got to get the magical equivalent of the Floby. Yeah, everyone's just constantly surrounded by nonstop, whizzy little magical shit. That, that or it's it's a spell you cast where you're like, oh, I'm using some of my magic and I wave my wand to make spoons stir because I can't be bothered. Yeah, but even then, it's not like you, she's doing it for them. She's like, here, I just I just threw this situation. And if it's literally these characters can never be bothered to do anything, so they just magic everything, they should be fat as fuck. Because <laughs> every time that they should be throwing in the slightest bit of effort into something, they instead choose to do magic. Honestly, is... I've always been amazed that they, have, they don't just use magic to catch the fucking snitch. Like, if they're all telekinetic all the time, they should just be like, all right, and the snitch is released. Got it. Mine. I just used the telekinesis. Why, I, I, why didn't you guys do this before? <laughs> I did that uh, Accio spell. I was like, Accio snitch. Mine. Done. Win. <laughs> we are done here. And seeing as how casting that, that telekinesis spell doesn't require you to even say anything, it'd be real hard to prove that you just kind of nudge the snitch towards yourself. And, well, I mean, you might need the wand. So I don't think you get wands. Uh, whatever. That just means someone on the stands on your side is doing it. Well, but that's cheating. Yeah, but I'm sure that everyone is constantly cheating. I mean, I've watched, what, maybe five Quidditch games because I've watched, like, five of the Harry Potter movies, and every one of them had a fucking Quidditch game in it. Yeah. So I, I'm sure every single time that I watch them, someone cheated. There's always a cheater in a Quidditch game. Usually it was Snape. You, no, no, usually Snape was it was blamed on Snape. Yeah, Snape was keeping him alive or something. That's right. Yeah, it was a uh, fucking qui- Quirrell? 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 Squirrel? Quirrell's the bad guy from the first one, yeah. so yeah. So he was he was cursing him, and then shenanigans happened and stuff goes on yeah so people are constantly cheating and no one ever notices so all this all this free float and telekinesis that exists in the harry potter universe it just seems like it's pointlessly applied here it is you being used to stir cocoa instead of doing something useful here it is every time it's just constant nonsense uh, goo gahs flying around in the air doing bullshit anyway moving on they go into his into his fucking I'm so mad I shouldn't be. It's not that bad of a movie. They, they <laughs> you're, go, you're just angry at the concept of magic in this world. I am. Because more it, than you are this movie. It is true. And so they go into his briefcase, and his briefcase contains a charming zoo for fun animals. Now, let me say, this is about a 50-50 split of really gorgeous, awesome-looking things and kind of just goofball CGI. Yeah, there's a lot of goofball CGI here. The thing that drives me nuts about this is that he goes through and, and says a couple things. He's like... Oh, you know, the problem with this this tentacle pig isn't so much that its bite is dangerous, but rather that no one understands it yet because it can be used to erase bad memories from people. Incidentally, that's going to be useful in about 45 minutes. In fact, everything I say in here is going to be useful in about 45 minutes. Wouldn't you know what I'm carrying around every answer to this movie in this stupid box and I didn't even know? <laughs> the uh, Well, not the tentacle pig. His, his yo-yo bat. Oh, that's bat. right. The worst animal in the movie. Yeah, the yo-yo bat, which... Has, he calls it a swooping death, and it's a green skull face bat. And it's huge Unless and, it's can, tiny. and can shrink down to a tiny little ball, does whatever Scamander says, can be squeezed to have uh, medicinal effects as well as obliviate properties, Yeah, and is 
uh, just like it's capable Im- of doing whatever the fuck it wants. It's immune to magic. When you hit it with one of those random zaps from a magic wand, nothing happens. It's strong enough while flying to support a person. Yeah. It stays in his hand unless he doesn't need it to, in which case he throws it around like a combination of a yo- yo-yo and a boomerang. Yep. And it's, it is amazing to me that this thing isn't more used in the world because you're like, that's oh, the most useful thing ever. He briefly mentions that other people don't like it. He's like, oh, no one likes these. They find them gross and creepy. But I have found that they can do every single thing. They're like lightsaber animals. That's the weird thing to me about this Fantastic Beast thing is he's like, oh, yeah, everyone misunderstands these beasts. And mostly we try to hunt them down and kill them because we don't like them or whatever. I go, okay, you know, this is fairly late in wizarding history. And you'd have to assume that at some point, some wizard doctor would be like, all right, I caught one of these things. I'm cutting this motherfucker open to see what it does. Yeah. Or, or do you know the, the, the properties of its goop? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's weird that he's the only person who bothers figuring this shit out. Well, especially because so many of the like potions and wand construction and everything is like, oh, well, you need like a unicorn hair or you need like a dragon heart string or you need some eyes of newt or whatever. Yeah, and they get really random with it. They're like, you need the squoopity bob of a, sna- of a snander batch. And you're like, okay, great. But how did you figure that out and then not also figure out that any other animal was worthwhile? Because wouldn't you know it, he's got a whole bunch of them that no one else has that are great. Like, you know how I'm complaining constantly about how the magic in this movie can just do whatever at any given time? And that they have wand fights where no one says anything and they just shoot lasers at each other. Yeah. It's it's the same with Scamander. He can do all that. But also, he has a, a everlastingly useful yo-yo bat. That yeah. It's like, oh, why doesn't everyone have these? Yeah, it's, it is it is strange to me that people are like, oh, yeah, no one likes any of these random animals that have amazing properties. Yeah. Like, it's basically just Scamander and Hagrid are the only people in the world that actually like beasts. Yeah. So... Let's give a quick rundown of the animals that are in here and whether or not they are useful later. First, we encounter some things that I cannot remember the name of that are giant rats with tentacle faces that are like giant, like, like plains runners. They're like gross buffalo, basically. The grossalo. Yeah, might as well call them the tentacle grossalos. Yeah, so we got like Cthulhu face buffalo and with rat bodies. And, and they're just sort of there. They're there. They're not useful. Uh, and then we encounter the Thunderbird of, of great American myth which is done up as a six-winged, draconic-looking eagle thing. Yeah, he's sort of like, basically like a griffin with extra wings. Yes, he is very useful. He is rad. His name is Frank. (laughs) Uh, And he's great. We have little tree insects, but they're people-shaped. And we didn't get their name, as far as I remember. I'm surprised they weren't called mandragoras. No, they're botanicals or whatever. Yeah, they're, sure. Uh, But they're, uh... But they're yeah, botaniques. They're, like botaniques. they're fructis. <laughs> they're they're uh, Garnier fructises. Yeah, that's exactly. They what will they get are. your hair so clean. <laughs> they're little. No, their their special thing is they can pick locks. Yeah, they which can is pick... odd for being a weird stick leaf monster. So they're these little tree sticks, and there's one that's that doesn't like to leave Scamander, so it always lives on him. Yeah, he's like he had taken it because it had a cold, and he's like, well, I needed to warm him up, and now he's gotten real attached to me, and. He thinks the other stick beasts are going to make fun of him, so now he's my friend. There's a giant dung beetle that is just background. Oh, yeah, there's there's a couple of them just rolling giant balls around. Uh, There is uh, some little feathered serpenty bird dragons. Yep. And their whole thing is that they fill any given space, and they hatch out of silver eggs that are made of silver. Yeah, which is why he's like, oh, people are always hunting these guys down because they they hatch out of silver eggs. I'm like, really? Because... 
you'd think that would mean there would be a lucrative business in breeding them rather than hunting them. Right. Uh, they are, they, oh, I'm sorry, uh, they are one of the things that escapes, so they are important later on. Yeah. There is a floating ball, black hole looking thing, called an uh, a, a obscurus. Uh, obscurial? Uh, obscurial. I think they call it both, but yeah, it's an obscurial, and that is a magic parasite that uh, when a person doesn't want to be a wizard real, real hard, they sometimes explode into one of these things. Man, okay. So we don't get that explanation right when we see it. He's just like, you need to back away from oh, that. Get away from that. It's super dangerous. He's like, okay, great. But we later find out that uh, that explanation, the whole like, oh, if you're a wizard, but... Like, nobody tells you you're a wizard, and you try to suppress that you're a wizard or whatever. And you're a kid, specifically. Yeah, well, if you're young enough that you haven't accepted it, you just sort of are balling up all of your energy, somehow this happens. Now, it's not like, oh, there's there's a parasite that uh, gets in you because it can sense that you aren't using no, magic? No, it's more like you magically create a parasite. So it's, it's like a golem sort of thing, or it's, a homunculus. It's real weird, because yeah. the way they explain it is terrible. And it's basically just, yeah, sometimes kids, especially if they're in a situation where they are, like, abused or jailed or forced to not use magic, like, they think that they can't at all, it's uh, it's like holding in a dump until you rupture your insides. It's interesting that they never... This is a weird choice for a villain in the first one of these movies, because... The first thing you think when you hear that story is, oh, that's weird. I bet you Harry Potter was like two minutes from being one of these things <laughs> because he was growing up in an environment where he was absolutely forbidden to use his magic and he was scared to do so and he was trying to repress his, his powers and everything. Like you'd think like when when a Hagrid shows up, he'd be like, you know, Harry, in a couple of minutes, you would have exploded into a floating black hole. You're a wizard, Harry. Also, don't kill everyone. Yeah. So uh, it's weird that they would immediately choose something that if if Harry Potter went wrong, it would turn into this gross thing. Yep. But then they don't, you know, the, the obvious thing that's left missing is the part in the Harry Potter movies where they explain that that almost happened. And the thing is, in this movie, they explain like, oh, this never happens anymore. Like the fact that Scamander had even seen one before in like Africa was super crazy rare. But the reason for that is is very well explained as well. It's because there are magic communities everywhere now and it's all very well organized and run. It's not the dark ages anymore. So people aren't like constantly, you know, like Salem probably had a lot of these things because there were a whole bunch of wizards there. They were like, "I'm not a wizard. I'm not a wizard." And then they'd blow up into one of these. Yeah. So, you know, it makes sense that they aren't around anymore because wizarding technology is or wizarding society is advanced. But Harry was living outside of it. It would seem like anytime you have some wizard born or raised by muggles who can't be a wizard, they'd be, oh, I'm turning into a gross black hole. Yeah, you'd think Dumbledore would have been like, huh, you know what might happen is I do this and put him with a horrible, abusive family is, you know, maybe Harry's going to grow up and just, I don't know, turn into the wizard equivalent of, like, the evil gross Hulk. Yeah. Just, like, occasionally freak out and kill everything yeah. around him. Anyway, we're really... We're really pushing the time envelope here, so let's let's zip along. Uh, they catch the monsters. It's very <laughs> it, they catch monsters. It's very fun. They uh, every one of them is a fun little experience. They they catch a monster with. Uh, they go to Central Park to catch a monster and, and, in the zoo, and yeah, they go to a zoo, and that that monster gets sexually attracted to Jacob and chases him around, even though it's a huge, gross hippopotamus brain rhino. Yep. Uh, there's. Uh, they have to catch the feathered serpent, and they do that in, like, a random clock tower. And that also includes the little invisible yeti. So they catch all of those. So they catch all the monsters. And meanwhile, there's a whole mystery going on where uh, the Sa the second Salemers 
are like going around can- uh, like canvassing the the uh, the city with leaflets and stuff and saying like we have to catch all these witches while Graves constantly meets with the little boy who who or like maybe 15-year-old boy who lives with the second Salemers and is like uh oh yeah the the new Salem people use kids for this so they yeah. uh there's doing like some dickens stuff where they're like oh we give you food and you come in and whatever but then you have to go out and distribute these leaflets for right. us. And, they're, and they're, Graves is like, one of these kids is important yeah, because he, he thinks one of them is one of these obscurials or whatever. Yeah, he thinks one of them has magic powers. And he's pretty well convinced that it's going to be a little kid. Oh, at a certain point, by the way, he catches, uh, he catches Newt and Tina. And he's like, you guys have clearly been the problem. You're the ones who released an obscurial into the city that caused all this damage. The sentence is death to be carried out immediately, which is real weird. That there's like a whole bunch of people involved. There's like extra executioners and more cops and stuff that are all like, yeah, of course. Of course, when, when this guy calls for the death penalty, we do it immediately. Because it's still the 1920s in America. Yep. Like, I would figure that the their society would at least sort of parallel American society. It does in every other respect. And you don't just order people to death. Yeah, no, it was just like, uh, I've got no proof of whatever, but you're both going to be sentenced to death. Anyway, goodbye. Have fun. And it's like, wait, what happened? I... We're, in, we're this movie's in America. Where's due process? <laughs> is there just there just isn't any? Okay, that's that's good information, I guess. Yeah. So he tries to have them killed, but instead uh, they escape by means of that stupid yo-yo bat. Yep, yo-yo bat and uh, the little tree demon thing, which can pick any lock, which only gets the mentioned one. like towards the very end. Yeah, they, there's a part where they have to go they're trying to find out information about who in town is causing all the problems so they go to a 1920s bar and meet with a 1920s gangster-looking goblin. Yeah, gangster goblin, actual great. Yeah, like kind him. Of, kind of a fun character, kind of a fun voice. He comes out, he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you or I'll turn you in. What are you going to offer me?" And so they have a little barter session and yeah, and uh, he wants the, the little tree. The little tree thing cuz he's like, "Oh, it can pick any lock." Those are great. So he gets it briefly, and then Jacob punches him in the face, and then and then uh, raiders bust in and arrest everyone, and that's that's the story of how Scamander and Tina end up getting caught. Yeah. Uh, so the the little tree thing undoes Scamander's uh, bonds. He then because he does, ni- neither of them have wands, he uses his little skull bat yo yo to just beat the shit out of everybody. They, they didn't check him to see if he had a gross animal in his hand. Yeah. So, of course not. Why yeah. would you? So he uses his skull bat yo-yo to escape the weirdest execution ever, which they start by doing that pensive thing where they take some brain goop out of them. And they're like, here, look at look at this pool. Look, it's all your good memories. You want to go in it. And the pool looks like it's made out of magic death mercury. Yep. So, you know, they, they almost kill Tina, but she escapes by means of skull bat. Uh, and, and then they run away. And that's that's it's amazing how easy it is for them to escape. Now, the uh, the big thing in this is... Graves keeps uh, trying to find this kid who is one of these obscurial things, and we've been told that normally being an obscurial will kill you by the time you're like nine. Yeah, and he has a man on the inside of the Second Salem people because he's convinced that one of them is going to be the obscurial, and that man is this boy Credence. Yeah, Credence is... cut, handsome little guy. He's going to be a rad-looking dude in a couple of years. Oh, yeah, man. Once he hits that uh, revival... That He's going to be great. That guy has some, like, Superman cheekbones, that actor. Uh, anyway, he it, he has this guy, Credence, who's this put-upon, uh, haggard, very beat-up boy in a cheap suit uh, who literally is abused by his, by his adopted mom. Yes. Uh, and he has promised him 
power. He's like, if you help me find this Obscurial, the Wizards will owe you a great debt, and you'll get to be a wizard, and I'll take you away from all of this. Yes. And uh, the fact that he is being abused is actually the reason that Tina got kicked out of the Aurors, because she straight up used magic on the mom when she was trying to beat him. Yes. He was like, no, fuck you, and then they had to, like, obliviate an entire room full of people. Right, so she gets kicked out of being an or as a result of this. There's another character as well, which is a little girl that's constantly singing songs about how witches are going to die. And so, obviously, the movie think, wants you to think that she's the Obscurial, because she's young enough, and she all she does is walk around singing about how she doesn't want to have magic. Yes. But she's not. It's Credence. Credence is the Obscurial. There's Yay, your big spoiler there's, alert. That's your first big spoiler. Spoiler, Credence is the Obscurial, and he's way too old to be an Obscurial, but it's, that's just because he's so powerful. He's such a powerful wizard, and finally he can't take being beaten anymore, so he explodes into a black hole monster and goes flying around the city. Yep, he straight up murders his mom and like flies around just causing untold destruction and shenanigans. He kills a bunch of people. There's a whole other char- uh, character arc in this movie where there's these two brothers, one of whom is like a reporter and the other one is a senator, and we get to see, and they're they're John Voight is their dad. Yeah. And there's a whole arc that I know is going to be important over the next five movies with these two characters, but you I'm barely sure. remember them when you watch the film. No, it, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do. It's just uh it gives something for Credence to be angry at because the senator's like you're a freak. Get out of here. I don't yeah. like you. When you're they little... try and tell him that witches exist. Yeah, they're like, sir, we want you to know that wizards exist. He's like, yeah, put this leaflage in the garbage and then get in the garbage yourself while you're there because you're garbage. I'm running for Senate, by the way. Yeah, please vote for me. And <laughs> so this, of course, gives an outlet for all of Credence's anger. He kills the senator. He does a lot of shenanigans. Yeah, John Voight gets real mad at witches because he knows they exist now or wizards or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, the and the end also... of this movie is like a giant swirling death cloud flying through New York doing property damage obviously just destroying everything in its path. Uh, killing hundreds of people. Oh yeah. Just murdering the fuck out of so many people. Even if he's not like straight up hitting people. He's knocking cars around. You're seeing him destroy the sides of buildings and it's 1920s buildings. They're gonna fall apart. Yeah they and they do. Like he goes flying past a building and it just crumbles the side of it down I'm like, all right, well, that's at least like a half dozen to a dozen people dead. Yeah, so he kills a whole bunch of people at this weird rampage. But don't worry, that's not going to be important. Don't worry, no one cares about it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they go. They send Scamander to catch him because everyone's convinced that Scamander's going to be the person who can talk him down. So Scamander goes teleporting after him and, and using his little yo-yo bat to, def- to deflect attacks and so on. And eventually we have the, the movie's big confrontation sequence, which occurs in, a, in the New York subway system. The the little the uh, Credence character has turned himself into like a recuperating venom from Spider Man on the walls. Huh. Like he's just a huge mass of goop on the wall. He, he just looks like bad slime from Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Scamander kind of walks up and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm not going to hurt you. I uh, I actually kind of want to help. I know what you are and I know what I can do for you. And, I've uh, I've met someone like you and I know what happened to them and I know how hard it is. And here I come to kind of be your buddy and I'm gonna I'm gonna help." But then Graves shows up and starts just wanding everybody with his wand. Just wand, wand, wand. Yep, and fucking everything up. And then uh, Credence goes right back into being full crazy cloud mode. Yeah, and at that, cause, at that point, uh, both of them want Credence alive. And it's Graves wants him for power. We've, we've basically completely seen Graves' heel turn at this point. Yes, it's no longer we're like, oh, you don't actually care about helping anyone out, you just want this for the power that it has. In the beginning, you kind of were led to believe that he had an informant in the second Salemers for, like, a good reason, maybe. 
like he was going to turn out to be a gruff but good cop. But no, he's just here because the movie doesn't have a defense of the dark arts teacher position. Yes. So the bad guy has to be somewhere. Yeah. So it has to be there. Yeah. So uh, he he basically, all, all the other wizards show up, like all these oars and stuff. And he's like, don't you kill it. I need it. So you guys can't kill it. And then it, they kill it. And he's like, he's like, I'm so mad that you killed it. And they're like, well, you're under arrest for obviously doing this. And he's like, well, I'll show you. And he starts wanding at all of them. Yeah, you have an entire, like, team of what are the Aurors, which are supposed to be like, we're police wizards. We're supposed to be awesome at arresting people. So even more than your standard wizard, they should be well-versed in how to attack and do stuff like that. And he is just like, straight clowning them well yeah it, but you know he's the chief of wizards and it's one of the it's a movie it's an action movie so of course he's 10 times better it's just like how you know the, the lead martial artist is a million times better than the next good martial artist yes so, so he's just deflecting all of their little wizard beams and being a huge badass and beaming them right back at them but eventually they get him no it's it's not no, them it's fucking it's not it's commander with yeah. his yo-yo bat yo-yo bat once again saves the day because it can fly around and just uh, gets onto the back of him and it and goops grabs him up. his it, arms. It hits him with some kind of goop and goops up his arms. Yeah. So that's another thing it can do. It can secrete like goop handcuffs. Like I don't. I don't even know. Was it was it the thing just grabbing him on the back or was it goop? Well, it, no, it flew away from him again afterwards and went back into Scamander's hands. So it gooped up his hands with goop. It had it had in addition to being squeezable for medicine. Uh, being infinitely variable in what size it could be, flying wherever, being immune to magic, being super smart, being fl- flying strong enough that people could step on it, acting like a yo-yo and a boomerang at the same time, it also secretes goop handcuffs. Yep. It's just the... It's not... And at no point does it ever hold still long enough for anyone to get a look at it. So oh, it does. You do see it in one shot where yeah, it's you can perched the, on a guy, and you're like, oh, it has a little skull face. It has a skull face and so on. But for the rest of the movie, it might as well just be his, his universal tool. It's a sonic screwdriver that happens to be a green bat. Yeah, it. I mean, for a movie about like fantastic beasts and whatnot, the fact that basically all of his shenanigans is this one creature. I'm like, come on, man! Like, shake it up a little. Yeah, do something else. Look, get that brain rhino out. Let's see that do something cool. <laughs> you know, you've got so, a bunch of weird creatures in there that you never even mention. Let them do a thing. Yeah, let, this yo-yo bat is just too useful. So they they finally get him. They're like, wait a minute, something's not right about this, and they cast. Like Revelio. Yeah, they cast Scooby Doo pull his mask off. Yeah. So uh they cast Jinxies at yeah. him. And uh he metamorphosizes and no, it turns out it's not Graves at all. It's Johnny Depp. It's <laughs> spoiler turns out alert. It was Johnny Depp the whole time. Gellert Grindelwald, otherwise known as the character that, that Albus Dumbledore had had a gay relationship with way back in his early history. Hello, Grindelwald. I'm, I'm gay. gay. For you, no. <laughs> I'm just saying that because it's always infuriated me that she cr- claims so much gay cred for making Albus gay, or Dumbledore gay after all the books and movies that come out. Yeah, it's like you know, yeah, I don't care. P- put it in, put it out, put it in the books, put it in the film, or you're just trying to ride on the coattails of popular culture. <laughs> it's it's the the way she did it. She was like, oh yeah, he was totally gay once. Okay, what you're saying is that gay people are icky if they're actually doing gay things, but they're cute when they're not. <laughs> Oh man, he's super old. Even if he was straight, he wouldn't be boning nobody. He that is very unlikely. Old gay dudes are exactly as horny as old dudes in general. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying maybe he had some issues with his wand, if you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure he did. 
But I, I'm just saying, whenever you hear these stories, it's in, all, in the books, the closest you get is like, oh, I had a very dear friend. And then she's like, oh, yes, Al- Albus Dumbledore is definitely gay. Whatever. Put it on the screen or don't claim credit for it. <laughs> so here we see her, his, his boyfriend, apparently, uh, Gellert Grindelwald, played by Johnny Depp, looking, uh, I, I want to say the worst I've ever seen him. Yeah, just terrible. Yeah, he looks like a pumpkin. Yeah, he looks like... A light like yellow the, pumpkin. Like the world's worst knockoff David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. He's, He's got, got the got two that, different color eyes. Yeah, and the black star haircut. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, God damn, why? Well, you just look like I found like the Chinese knockoff version of David Bowie. <laughs> he looks like Onion from, or uh, whatever his name is, the little Vidalia's kid, whatever his name is from... Uh, from Steven Universe with with David Bowie's hair. He's, he's got a big old round head with his dumb hair and this goofball mustache. Yeah. He's yeah, got that no. 1920s bad guy tying someone to a railroad track's mustache but bleached blonde. Anyway, he's like, yes, how? of course it was me. And of course I'll eventually win. You don't think you can hold me, do you? And, and then they drag him past Scamander and he turns to Scamander and says something. He says, yabba blah blah and then they all die, Glabba Dabba. And you're like, what the fuck? What, what, what just happened? Guy, can I rewind this? Yeah, I wish. Because watching it in theaters, I'm like, the fuck did he just say? What? He just Johnny Depped all over this. Anyway, the movie should be over at this point. But of course, there's all these people up top that fully know that wizards are, are real. Oh, yeah. During this final climactic battle, they did that. Like, the protection dome, like you saw at the Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah, they shield so off the area. There's just an entire crowd of people watching this. So yeah. now, pretty much New York knows. Like, the yeah. secret is out. And John Voight's all like, you guys are crazy wizards, and I'm going to tell everyone with my newspaper. And then... And I'll, I'll get pictures. Pictures of Spider Witch. <laughs> then, you know, the president of witches or, or wizards is like, man, we can't... We can't obliviate that many people. It's impossible. And Scamander's like, oh, no, because this yo-yo bat, I can squeeze blue goop out of it that can make people forget, like, however many hours of, that would be relevant for them to forget. Like, <laughs> they for will example, forget exactly uh, as much as they should. Yeah, like, for example, the people who are up there are going to forget, like, the past hour and a half. But when it hits Jacob, he's going to forget, like, the past three days. Yeah, the weird thing to me is, at least with the Obliviate spell, you go, okay, yeah, you're casting the spell, and so... Whatever your will for that spell is, I assume gets translated to it. So when you cast Obliviate, you're like, oh, I when I'm casting it, I want you to forget like the last hour. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. But- or when uh, Hermione does it, she makes it so like her parents forget she even existed. So it's just like 15, 16 years of life gone. Right. But in this case, the way it works is he pulls that vial out that he got ma- he made for himself earlier in the movie. Then he pulls out that Thunderbird thing. He's like, hey, Frank, I was going to wait to release you until Arizona, but here we go. Instead, I want you to go up top, fly around, create a storm, bite this vial so that blue goop gets into the cloud, and then rain forget juice all over New York, and it's going to work on all the water. So even a guy indoors taking a shower gets it. Yeah, that was weird, because they it starts raining, and of course, everyone who's getting hit by the rain, they're like, oh, and they start to forget. I go, all right, that makes sense, but you know, most of the city is probably indoors at this point. And then it it's like, oh, don't worry, we got that covered, and it shows like someone drinking a glass of water, and they start to get a foggy look, and the guy taking the shower, and he starts to look like he's forgetting things. And you go, okay, so apparently it's not the rain, it's just... It's just any loose water. Any loose water. Now, <laughs> Jacob, at this point, who is underground in the sewer, uh, still remembers, so it's not just anything in this area where water is, you have to be hit by it or drink it or whatever. Yeah. Which means 
how many people out in New York saw a giant cloud monster rampaging around uh, and, then and a weren't giant drinking? Bird and a bunch of wizards and, and or just alcoholics. They aren't drinking water. Yeah, and I'm like, how long is this going to last? You know, like, let's say I don't have a drink of water all day and i didn't take a shower either i'm just a real lazy piece of shit yeah <laughs> you're gonna be like well how are you gonna see the wizards is the thing well you're not going outside well no you're saying inside playing the 1920s equivalent of uh of of world of warcraft which i assume is just cribbage <laughs> probably i'm probably <laughs> just playing cribbage against myself yep gotta get to 29 before i do <laughs> <laughs> that's the shitty me i'm the me me the other one is who's playing is the crap version of me <laughs> so Anyway, it's it's stupid. And and also they don't just obliviate Jacob. He goes walking out into the rain instead. Yeah. So he's like, Look, I gotta I gotta do this and it's a very emotional moment because of course Queenie and him are very close at this point. Yeah. Like they would be having a relationship and, and he loves magic. And we all love him because every single time he's been exposed to anything in the movie, he's been like, Oh, this is the coolest thing. I love everything. We also got to watch him punch that gob that goblin mobster character we got to watch him uh, drink like alcohol that makes him laugh which is adorable yeah the giggle juice every time you see him do anything it's just the best he's just the greatest character in, in the harry potter series yes uh anyway he goes walking out into the rain and forgets everything and then he gets uh his briefcase swapped with another briefcase containing a bunch of leftover silver eggs yeah and then he's like here use this as the collateral you didn't have before to open your bakery. Or don't bother getting a bank loan, sell all these silver eggs for money so that the bank doesn't even get really involved, and then open a bakery. But no, <laughs> use it for collateral for a loan instead. Well, you know, I mean, where is a guy like him going to go, oh, I know who wants to buy silver eggshells. It's the 1920s. You go to your local assayer. <laughs> <laughs> There's still gold rushing happening at this yeah, point. Yeah, man. Well, this is the Potter 20, so it'd be your local soothsayer. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Well, anyway, they, he gets his bakery, and apparently the Oblivia juice didn't work all that well on him because he uh, he keeps making b- bread things that are in the shapes of cute monsters. Yeah, so it's like, oh, I've got this like little frosted bread thing, and it looks like the Yeti monster, and I've got one that looks like the, the brain uh, rhino and, and the brain rhino and, and whatnot, the, the dickupine. Yeah. So uh, everyone's like, oh, where do you come up with your ideas? I don't know. They just come to me, and then the very end, he he sees Queenie in the store and. They both have kind of this knowing smile that happens. And you're like, oh, maybe he does remember. Well, of course he does, because the one thing we know about that blue juice is that it removes bad memories. But it doesn't. It doesn't say it removes bad memories. It just obliviates. No, he does. He says it has pr- the properties and power. Scamander says this when he's squeezing it out of the stupid does everything yo-yo bat. He's like, yeah, these, you can. this stuff is really useful because... Uh, because it, it helps you people forget bad memories, specifically. Like, maybe he means that as in, if you recently suffered nothing but bad memories, it's great to get rid of all of them at once. But I, I remember him saying bad memories and thinking, oh, that's... So when it gets on Jacob later, he'll remember his love interest. Well, I was going to say, he should remember everything, because he's like, oh, was going down into the awesome magic zoo a bad memory? No, you fucking loved that. You would still remember that. Yeah, so, anyway... He sees that, and then we also have a, a leave cute where uh, Scamander's going back to England at the end. and He's like, I've got this book, and it's going to be called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and then roll credits. Yeah. And <laughs> it, well, he, comes, he keeps walking away and walking back because he's like, I'd like to give you a copy someday, Tina, because you're my love interest in this movie. And she's like, I'd like that. And he walks away, and he comes back. Could I give it to you in person? And she's like, yes. 
walk away again, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. So eventually he leaves and roll credits, and that's the end of the movie. There are no spoiler scenes. You do not have to wait through the credits. No. If you go see this, uh, even after listening to our spoiler, don't worry. You can just leave once the credits start At rolling. At the end, Nick Fury shows up and tells him, he get, you, think, <laughs> you, you think you're the only wizard out there in New York? And he's like, no, there's dozens. Hundreds even. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd say as many as thousands. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> there's so many. And he's like, well... We're gonna we're starting a special project, and he's like, I know wizards are always starting special projects. It's fantastic. It's all we do. It's all we do because everything else we do is done for us by stupid floating magic nonsense. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That that is fantastic beasts and where to find them. And so the uh, best and worst. Let's go. What was the best thing in the movie for you? Uh, well, I'm I, I'm gonna. I'll take the cool animals from the thing because I want to leave the the, the obvious best thing and yes. what I assume will be the best thing from all five of these movies to you. Which I'm going to say some of the the animals that weren't the yo-yo bat were very visually inventive and very cool. Yeah, uh, the, it's it was a good job of having some weird animals we hadn't seen before. Yeah, and and none of them were animals that you've seen in, in any legend before. I, well, except for the Thunderbird, uh, and even then it was heavily changed. It had like six wings and was like a flying snake bird. So it was cool looking, but the rest of them weren't like, oh, and this is a dragon. And then over here we have a centaur. It was like, no, this is a fucking uh, tentacle-faced rat buffalo and, and, and so on. It was, every one of them was this crazy nonsense. There were some penguins with, with lemur faces at one point. Yeah, there's just weird stuff. Yeah, it was, it, they were all very, it, well, okay, I, I'm going to temper that by saying that, yes, there's the Thunderbird, and yes, one of the magical animals is just a platypus. <laughs> but even it was adorable. Oh, yeah, it was super cute. So, okay. I liked a lot of the visual animals that they had. The CGI for them was phenomenal. Uh, I would say that's probably my favorite thing in the movie. It isn't, but that's because my favorite thing in the movie is... Jacob. He is the best thing in this film, bar none. There is there's nothing in this movie better than him. I love him. He is the best addition to a Harry Potter film because he is... A re- he, an outsider perspective that you don't hate. Yeah, he's an outsider, but it's... He's not just used for exposition, which is what you normally get an outsider for. Normally when someone's like, I have no idea what's going on. I've never encountered this. They're like, oh, well, let me explain to you how everything works. Instead, he's just like, I have no idea what's going on. And they're like, well, let me. He's like, no, no, I don't care. I just love it. Everything's I, fine. <laughs> everything's great. I love it. Uh, you know, Harry Potter was the last outsider perspective we got on the Harry Potter universe, and he ultimately turned out to be kind of a bully, and if not that, then at least the world's most self-centered dick. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he is his father's son. Yeah, he really is, and I always associated more with all the people that hated the Potters. <laughs> so, so uh, but Jacob, no way, Jacob's great. Yeah, one hundred percent best. It's the only reason I would be looking forward to see another movie in this world uh, uh, it, is to get more of him. And the worst part is that you know that the next movie of this is going to have a lot more Johnny Depp in it. Uh, please don't. I don't care. I just don't. I don't want him. It could have been such so much more interesting. Could have, but no. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so that's the two favorites. There you go. What's the worst thing? Low point of the movie. Well, it's going to be the same complaint I, I have been harping on the whole time, which is that the magic rules in the Harry Potter movies are just nonsense. Just bullshit nonsense. Yeah. They always stray towards the point of more magic, which is, you know, it's, it's cute and visually interesting. But on the other hand, it's like, how do these people do anything? Like, everywhere they go, they're just constantly surrounded by every little thing flying and whipping around. Like, how do they read a newspaper? Every time they look at it, it's like, oh, hello, I'm your newspaper. You're like, okay, well, I, I would just like to hear the news locally instead. Oh, no, I'm going to talk to you about butterbeer. <laughs> no, 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 stop, stop, please. I'm your food. I'm a frog. I'm going to escape out the window. 
No, I just, I just, I actually, I need to eat. I paid for you. God, God damn it. Please, please, please be food. I'm not food. I'm a frog. Ha <laughs> ha. You're like, oh, God, it would be so annoying to be a wizard. Thing is, all of that stuff is very much the, like, what you'd think of if you were a kid and going like, oh, yeah, magic stuff. And, like, things would be jumping around. But, you know, after someone had, like, magic frog thing and it went around and did whatever, Someone would be like, ah, that's terrible. That lasted for like a year. It was a fad. Well, that's the thing that makes this movie even weirder is that the main characters are all adults this time. It's adults adulting all the way over the place, and yet all their magic is still just goofy hee-haw stuff that doesn't... It, they have to constantly <laughs> interact with all these, these goofball jokes that don't make any sense. And you think like, all right, this is a serious person. Like, this woman is a police officer, or she was, but still her house is full of floating, flying nonsense. Yep. They've got like... All of their dry cleaning is just floating around a fire, and all the dishes just fly around and do whatever. Yeah. It's amazing that no one can be like, I'm just going to lift my hand up and grab a plate, rather than I'm going to magic a plate over. Yeah. like, But they still have all this stuff in the house that you would need. Like, you look around, you see all their cooking equipment and so on. They have a stove that they obviously are only using for heat, because apparently their food cooks itself. Yeah. So it's just, the rules don't make any sense. Like, when you're watching the first one, you're like, all right, from a child's perspective, this is what cool magic would be. So maybe that's how they just do it. Magic is fun toys for kids when they're young, but when they're adults, their magic becomes useful adult stuff. Yeah, you'd, you'd go into the Ministry of Magic and everyone's like, no, I just use magic for, like, expedient purposes. No, that is not the case, it turns out. It's just goofy nonsense all the way through life. Yep. So, there you go. That is your low point of basically any Harry Potter thing. It's just the oldest wizard in the world's all like, I have to use this catheter, and it's like, squealy dee, I'm a magic catheter. I tied myself in a knot to annoy you. Your pee is backing up into your <laughs> into your bladder. <laughs> just, uh, just never ending. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the the low point for me is actually Grindelwald being in this movie, and not just because it's Johnny Depp, but... It didn't need to be. I was fully expecting, you know, once we were a little more than halfway through the movie, like about two-thirds in when you start to realize Graves is having his heel turn, you're like, oh, okay, he's an agent of Grindelwald. I thought that was going to set that up as like, he's basically the old-style Death Eater. Yes, he'll be one of those guys. He'll be one of those, like, uh, Slytherin parents or something that all turned out to be bad guys. Yeah, all of those, uh, the old-style... Like, I'm one of the agents of the the evil wizard. I was like, okay, I get that. And then he can have, like, his end of the movie where he's like, you'll never stop us. And But when it turns out to be Grindelwald, I'm like, really? Like, you just, you just didn't have anyone else to do this, and you decided to, like, was Grave someone already here? Did you kill him and, yeah, like, polyjuice into him? I think he either killed or hid Colin Farrell. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Colin Farrell pulled off the, whatever that Mad-Eye Moody character was and shows up tied up somewhere. Just because Colin Farrell's a rad actor, and it'd be nice to have him back. Yeah, so I'm like, all right. I I guess if you were getting a bunch of polyjuice shenanigans out of him, you might have kept him alive. But even then, you're like, why? Why would you do that? And why wouldn't you have someone else do it for you? Like, even Voldemort sent in fucking Doctor Who to be his Mad-Eye Moody. Also, he didn't need to pretend to be the chief of police to try and find that that obscurial character. No. He, he just needed to get the eye of ear of that one kid. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, you didn't need to be in the actual... Well, the other the, it's not that that kid knows who the chief of police is. No. He could show up and be like, I'm the chief of police in his Grindelwald outfit, and, and the kid would be like, yeah, probably. Yeah, you look like a weird wizard, sure. Yeah, okay, I believe you. So it's 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 just a weird thing. I, I assume it makes more sense in the book. 
Yeah, I mean, I know they wanted to have a reveal for the end, but just it felt weird and unnecessary. Yeah, I feel like they could have hit, they could have hid that one a little longer. Plus, I, Johnny Depp is too Johnny Deppy for me. There's only one role I care about seeing him in anymore, and that's Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, and even then, I haven't watched the last like I don't know how many of those there are like fifteen uh, <laughs> movies now or something. It's all like uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, and the uh, ship goes somewhere. I guess at this point. <laughs> Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and here's some stuff. Yeah. And here's a pig or something. But <laughs> It's a dick pig. It's a dickupine. A dickupine. So seeing him as Grindelwald was kind of, it's a little too star powery, I guess. Yeah. It was, you know, it was like if he had turned out to be Tom Cruise at the end. <laughs> but yeah, eh, whatever. We'll see if it, we'll see if it turns around. And of course, the 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 community of of movie watchers are are hating that he's in these things at all because oh yeah because he is a basically confirmed do, wife beater yeah he's a commu- confirmed domestic abuser I guess and uh, I haven't really so, followed into that but I, I guess it's true and yeah and, no like uh, they he got divorced and the divorce settlement from his wife she was like I don't even want the money I am giving it all to charity this isn't about me getting cash it is about me getting away from an abuser. So, so apparently, you know, that's it's a pretty liberal community that likes the Harry Potter films, and so they probably don't really want him associated with them. No, eh, we'll see. We'll see what it what it shakes out to be in further films. So, so they, uh, and now we'll give our ratings one to five for each of us. Gives us the rating out of ten. Jeff, eh, I'm going to give it a two and a half. I didn't hate it, and I, w- I would sit down and watch it if it was on TV on a rainy day. All right. I mean, this is this is the uh, categorical example of what I was worried about with going into Movie Mastery uh, <laughs> in theaters now. Uh, specifically was that you know the more popular movies that are in theaters at the time would win and they're not going to be bad enough to really rip into sure. uh you know we're going to see a lot of movies like this where you know the worst thing we're going to see is like next month we're going to have to see some bullshit christmas movie you just know it it's going to be one of them <laughs> bad dad christmas dad movies where it turns out that business dad has to learn how to christmas and to learn not to business i'm sorry kids i business too much but now i christmas and i christmas as hard as i businessed yeah, I've quit my job, and it's okay, because I was already rich. <laughs> so that's what, but you know, movies like this where it's like, eh, it's like a B, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it uh, a three out of five. It was, it wasn't bad, it wasn't spectacular, I wasn't wowed, I came out of the film going like, okay. Yeah, two and a half and all of that is going into the performances of the four main characters who I really enjoyed. Yep, uh, uh, like that's really the thing for me is, the plot itself didn't really wow me. I didn't really care. A lot of the MacGuffins were a little overused. The, I mean, like we've mentioned, Skullbat is basically like like the crystal skull from Indiana Jones. It's just all problems solved through that. Yeah. The, when, it, when it finally gooped up handcuffs, I was like, ah, oh, come on. That's enough. We- so, yeah, I'm like, it's it wasn't bad, but it, it definitely wasn't amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I give it a three. That gives us a five and a half, a very solid... It's middle a rain- of the road it's mediocre a, movie it's a rainy day movie you won't turn it off if you if it's turned on you i mean i assume if you are a potter fanatic you're mad then, at us right now then you hate us and you'd probably give it like a four just because you want it yeah but even then still kind of eh. yeah so there you go you yeah. know middle of the road can't really give it any i don't hate it i don't love it i i honestly forgot about half of it on the walk home yeah so uh so there you go that is that is Fantastic Beasts, and uh, where you can find them and where you can find us is SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Ooh, segue. God damn, that was slick. <laughs> <laughs> now let's call attention to it and ruin the magic. 
Well, if there's one thing we're good at, it's ruining magic. Hey! <laughs> we play so much Commander and nothing else. <laughs> so you, you can go ahead and listen to our other podcasts. If you like what we do, you can always support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash systemmastery. Give us some money. Even if you only listen to the movie Mastery, it still helps us out. It you ends get up charged out like the same. Yeah. yeah, you get charged like twice a month, so it's yeah. the same as if you were paying for this. Yeah, pretend it's a monthly thing and, and give us a buck and you end up giving us two bucks a month and it's not that bad. Yep. Yep. And uh if you do like the uh the other podcasts we do, you get bonus content from doing it. So from the system mastery you get uh characters that we make in other RPGs, so you can always find some extra stuff there. And, of course, you can uh, find us on Twitter or Facebook. We're System Mastery there. We are r slash System Mastery on Reddit. And you can email us any questions, suggestions for movies, anything like that at systemmastery at gmail.com. And uh, right now, I'm sure that because that's the way our society works, I'm sure Cyber Monday is going to be going on for the next three weeks. So Public. Uh, System Mastery on Public. we've got all of our shirts on there. I think everything's like 40% off or something it's, right now. It's the exact same sale they always run. Yeah. Public only has on sale and not on sale, and shirts are $20 when they are not on sale and $14 when they are on sale. Right now they are on sale. I think that'll last all week. Yeah. So, so and, if you wanna... and even then it'll start again in January because that's their business model. Yeah, it's just all the time. So yeah. right now I do know they are on sale, so if you were looking to pick up a shirt from us, you wanted to uh, show your love for the show, you can go ahead and pick one of those up, and it'll be fairly cheap. Yep. So uh, I guess thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks with a movie mastery that is not in theaters. Yep. But watch in a couple of days for the next poll, and make sure you fill out your poll choices for what we should see for Christmas. Yep. So for December, figure there, out what you want us to see. Are there Christmas movies this year? I haven't really seen any ads for them. I haven't seen a lot. I, I mean, the only shit I know is like Rogue One is coming out, yeah, and that's like the only thing I know is coming out in December. And it's like I'm 100% sure that Rogue One is what's going to win, and we're going to have to see it, which is fine, because we're both going to love it. Uh, maybe. We'll see. Possibly. I, I was medium hot on uh, on Episode 7. Yeah. I, I loved it a lot, but it was basically just all fan service shots. Yes. It was 100% fan service. It was like, hey. It was a big can... apology. Yeah, it was half apology, half just, we'll show them the stuff they like then. Yeah. They like episode four. Let's just put all of episode four back on screen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we'll have that uh, up in a little bit. You'll be able to go on to com. Yeah. We should have that up in the next couple of days. We'll try and streamline the process and have them up by the first of the month. Yeah. So you can go ahead and vote for whatever you want us to see for the next in theaters. But until then, next week, we're going to have another random selection from our big list. Go ahead and give suggestions for that on either the uh, website or or on Reddit, or wherever. We'll put it on our big list, and we will randomly choose. But until that time, you guys have a great week.